Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorns news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content at burntorangenation.com. Before we get started, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, it would mean a lot if you left us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a whole lot with visibility. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Stitcher or Google Play. Let them know that you found a great podcast. You like Texas Longhorn Sports. Oh, my name is Gerald Goodridge, and I am your host this week. And I am joined by my good friend, like I am every week, the illest, the realest, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing this week, man? I'm doing better than last week for sure. I'm uh, X amount of days outside of the flu. I'm still fighting it a little bit, so apologies in advance for any uh, any residual weird sounds that uh, stick in my voice. But uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting to the, the promised land. Uh, it's supposed to snow tonight in central Texas, which is um, obviously a very high alarm critical situation that everyone is monitoring very closely schools are already canceled um so it's you know end times here it is really the end times i i was look i showed my wife because uh fenviz just posted on twitter that you know ut will be closed tomorrow they'll start spring semester a day late and i was like man i would really like this we just need to move back to austin so we can get extra snow days (laughs) because snow days unless you're getting feet of snow in oklahoma they're not shutting it down so I would much prefer to be able to take an extra day off. Uh, but so we want to start off with uh, with a bit of somber news. So after uh, we recorded last week, we were talking to how Andrew Jones uh, had been fighting some uh, mysterious unnamed illness and missed a couple of games. Well, on Wednesday morning, the uh, uh, the Jones family through the school announced that Andrew had been diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, and he's begun treatment, uh, and the family is asking for privacy with that. So we, there aren't really a ton of details, nor is anybody going to really dig for them out of respect for the family and for uh, for a tough kid who's dealing with a tough situation. Uh, the team is doing a lot of things to honor him. They're wearing patches on their uh, their jerseys, and they've got uh, new warm ups with his number on it. Uh, and really, we just want to say, you know, from everybody here at the Longhorn Republic and Burn Orange Nation has already sent things out via Twitter, but we just want to send our thoughts and prayers with Andrew Jones, and we'll talk later in the show about ways that you can uh, help him out and people in similar situations. We'll move on quickly to to Texas basketball. A couple of games in the books since the last. Uh, we talked about them last week. Texas had a, a tilt against TCU in what we dubbed the Del Conte Bowl, which sounds kind of like an appetizer at a Mexican restaurant. I was just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> can I get the Del Conte Bowl uh, for the table? For, get that for the table. Uh, yeah. So Texas looked dominant early on. They led by 10 at halftime. They were shooting 63 from the floor, uh, 63% from the floor, held TCU to 46% from the floor. So really good. Started the game on a 10-3 run, scored 24 points in the paint. TCU only managed eight. Texas had a 10 point lead with 11 and a half left. And then TCU goes on a nine, one run to pull it to two takes their first lead of the game with five, with less than six on the clock. TCU sends it to overtime. TCU should have won in that first overtime. And then Dylan O hits the biggest three pointer of his entire career to send it to a double overtime. Uh, and then Texas again should have lost in overtime. Uh, Jalen Fisher has a wide open look at the basket. Just beefs a layup somehow, and Texas goes on to win by one point. Kyle, what the heck is going on with Texas basketball? That was uh, that was a as good a game as you'll see all year. I don't care what the the dramatics and heroics of any any tournament are. That's uh, 
that was a wonderful game and the emotions were high as you said everything going on with Andrew Jones um if you had a dry eye at the end of that game watching Shaka Smart seeing the eyes of Texas you know fighting back tears and the players holding up his uh his jersey and you're not the same type of Longhorn fan that uh, myself and I assume you, Gerald, are. But uh, that was really something. To get that win really meant something. I mean, we did call on this here podcast that we predicted a a potential victory in the the uh, Grande del Conte Bowl. Um, I'm just just adding uh, with beef. Yeah, that, I was gonna say that's with with uh, avocado. But uh, but yeah, um, you know, I hope that's not the high point of this Texas season. I hope that that that's the thing that they kind of internalize about how to win, how to do that. There's a little bit of a template there. Uh, both good and bad. Sadly, the uh, the blueprint for a Texas game win or loss seems to be get up at some point by some amount of points and then let the team have a late run because you can't close out. Um, I would love to see that remedied. But um, the going inside in the paint and the limiting other teams in there seems like it could be something that's that's replicable. We've talked a few times about the rebounding, improving, um, and how Texas is actually kind of not only a good uh, defensive team with their bigs, but a sneaky good uh, rebounding team. And uh, I, I think if, if they can if they can shoot well um, and just enough to space out and bang in with the big bodies, um, they have enough talent to make a little Big 12 run. Like I said, I, the game itself, I don't know if you can say replicate that every week, but uh, beating a top 10 team, uh, a team who coming into Big 12 play was undefeated. They've had a, a murderer's row um, in the first few games, so uh, they've slipped down the rankings just a little bit. But at the time of playing, I think they were number 10 in the nation. So it's a big win for Shaka Smart and for that program. And just, you know, for the emotions and everything with, with the Jones family and for, for Andrew himself, I mean, uh, it was it was a perfect perfect fairy tale ending to get that that win. Unfortunately, to transition a little bit, that, uh, that momentum didn't carry exactly into the next game. So uh, you're an Oklahoma guy. What the heck happened? What happened there? You know, in the Big 12, it's hard to come by road wins. It is hard to come by road wins in the Big 12. Texas goes in to Stilly, which I said last mm-hmm. week, Gallagher-Iba is a tough place to play. Texas is up by 12 with five and a half left on the clock. Then the Pokes go on a 15-2 to two run yeah. to close it out. Texas only scored two points in the last five and a half minutes of the game and lose 65-64 in overtime. This is a story that we keep hearing big lead in the second half and it's blown. And, you know, against TCU, they found a way to win it against OSU. They found a way to lose it. So really Kyle, we're not going to talk a ton about the individual games. I just want to look at where is Texas basketball at right now? You know, five games into the conference schedule, you know, they're, they're not looking too hot that you know we talked early on that they had some potential and they're really not living up to it yeah uh, it's it's tough texas basketball is is in a better place than they were last year remember how bad this team was on a result standpoint last year they couldn't put it together um so at least the beginning of the year it steps but uh, i think they flashed enough um even though they lost a couple tough big games in the kind of in mid-season or early season tournaments and their first contests against against good teams um, dropping against Michigan, they've they've lost some big games. You saw enough talent to get some optimism. They kind of they kind of lured us into that. Um, but five games into to Big Twelve, which again the, the Big Twelve is just a monster this year. It is by far and away the the toughest conference uh, in the country. Um, they started two and three, which doesn't sound particularly good, but is decent. I think that actually puts them at, at fourth place in the in the conference. So I mean, not a terrible spot to be in, but unfortunately they've played some of the easier teams, um, Kansas and 
TCU not uh, not included in that, but uh, they eked out a win similar kind of template to TCU in overtime against Iowa State. Um, was one of their two, and the other um, again against uh, against the TCU team that uh, that's had a tough time in conference so far, but it's still a good team. But uh, losing to Oklahoma State, who's definitely probably the second worst, they've they've played the two. I say bottom of the Big 12 and gone one and one in that stretch, and that's just not going to get it done. They really needed to eke out a win there to try to help the uh, help the overall you know numbers and get that tournament bid looking better. Um, especially when you look what's coming up, they got the hottest team in the country twice in the in the rest of January. They play Texas Tech um, in a in a trip between a, to a top ten Morgantown in between again on the road where Big 12 basketball, like you said, doesn't matter where you go, it's tough. I mean, if you're up in Ames, if you're in Morgantown, I mean. It's tough in football, but it's much tougher in basketball where those trips, um, you kind of get in there and get in that energy of the crowd, which is right on top of you in a lot of these places. And it's just, it's tough to get road wins in Big 12. And you'll see even the Kansas and, and the big teams, uh, perennial powerhouses struggle. Um, so you really got to get them when you can. And that's, that's where that Oklahoma State loss hurts, especially because you had the momentum coming off the TCU game, coming off everything that was going on in the program. But I just think there's a couple issues that we're going to see play out the rest of the year and the way that this team responds to them will define what this season is ultimately. And you, you mentioned the schedule there. So they've got tech who is like you said, fast rising, looking like maybe the class of the conference. Like I'm not, I'm not sure. feels weird to call tech that West Virginia Morgantown is, is a nightmare. They've got hopefully what, what is a tune up against Mississippi Mm -hmm. uh, Ole Miss sandwiched in there. SEC basketball is not what, the football is, uh, then they've got tech again. And then they welcome in the Oklahoma Sooners with easily the best player in the country. Trey young. I would say, I think so. Uh, it's pretty hands down that at this point, unless something catastrophic happens on the back half of the season, he will be your player of the year. So it, it is, it is a legitimate like opportunity for Texas to lose like two of their next four games. Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe even three. Yeah. It's tough. We talked about potentially eight teams from the big 12 out of the 10 getting into the tournament and, and, Oklahoma State and, and and Iowa State being on that bubble, you know, Baylor and Texas are kind of probably the next two in there, and and I would imagine at least one of those makes it in. They put it at seven. Texas could be that that extra team looking out. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a really crucial three weeks. I just hope they get the wins where they can get them, the known wins, and then take a scout, take one big win, get in there, play with energy, protect uh, the Irwin Center when people come to Austin. Keep that that road games are tough for every other team too, um, and just kind of eke in there as a 10 seed or something. And then in March, anything goes. Yeah. I I'd like to see, you know, Iowa state, you got to get a win there. I think, you know, Iowa state at home, uh, Kansas state at home. I think you could probably get a win there, but the back half of this season is just, just nasty, just absolutely nasty. So I, 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 they, they really need to win everywhere they can. And it's really, it's tough. It really is. So speaking of tough play, uh, the women's basketball team had a marquee matchup in front of a record crowd at the Irwin Center. Uh, take number nine, Texas women's basketball, taking on number one, uh, UConn, which has turned into a bit of a bit of a rivalry these yeah. last few years as, yeah. as Texas has been on the come up and Gino continues to be the worst human being uh, in college <laughs> athletics, if I do say so myself. Not a huge Gino fan. At me if you want, at GH Goodridge. Don't like Gino. <laughs> He's kind of a jerk. Uh, but no, so I say it's a rivalry, but it's been a very one-sided rivalry, kind of like how we call the A&M thing a rivalry, right? Uh, so burn. it's 8-0, 8-0 series record for the Huskies. Uh, 
UConn has eliminated uh, Texas in two of the last three women's NCAA tournaments. So right. it's a lot of bad blood on sure. our part. Maybe we're playing the uh, the upsetters. So Kyle, you and I actually got to catch some of this game. Yeah. Uh, conveniently, it was on on a Monday on, on a day where some of us had time off. Uh, I, I didn't, but some of us did. <laughs> so Texas led uh, tw- by one and uh, by three after the first quarter, 24-21, or only down one at halftime. They started the game. They were hot. Four of seven yeah. from three point land, just lighting it up. Even the even the posts, even the bigs were hitting threes. And Texas was able to keep it to, to one possession for the second half. Uh, but UConn, one of the things that Gino does, and again, why he's a great coach, his girls will hit their free throws. And so Texas yeah. was was within striking distance. They were down a one possession, three points, and Went to do the foul game, and, and UConn just converted on its field goals to yeah. finish 75-71. But, Kyle, the girls showed some heart. These ladies came out and balled out. So what do you see as the, the future for the Texas women's basketball team as they as they look to the to return to conference play here in a few days? Oh, they're, they're a top-10 team, no doubt. They proved it. They're, they're probably a top-5 team. Um, this, is a, this is a matchup, and I, I really hope it doesn't end up with these two teams meeting again in the tournament. Uh, if it is, I hope it's in a championship game because, A, you never want to play UConn, and B, I'm tired of watching them beat us. You know, and, and like you said, love them, hate them, or otherwise, you don't want to go against uh, a Gino Ariema team um, at any time, but especially in a tournament. Uh, and you said the thing he does, they hit the free throws. Another thing that they always inevitably, any game I've ever watched UConn women play, they just have a run somewhere in the game. They had one right at the end of the uh, the first half that actually Texas could have really taken some momentum. I think they were up as much as seven uh, with like a minute and a half left, and uh, UConn went on a big run to go up by one to go into halftime, which I was a little worried how, how it would come out in the second half. But this was, this was like you said, a one-possession game. This was a, this was a game that, that saw the Texas women fight and hang with not just the best team in the country, but you know truly the, the – the Alabama football and then some of women's basketball. I mean, this is a, a dominant force. And so, I mean, that, that gives you hope. There's uh there's some tough stuff on the, on the schedule coming up. They have uh, the, the Baylor lady bears who are probably the, you know, in recent history, the second best uh, basketball team outside of UConn. So that's always a tough one. I mean, that one's in Waco. Um, and then they uh, also going to be on the road against tech immediately coming up. So they have, uh, they have some games coming up and, and in big 12 play, um, they're going to have some some tests, but I think they are the class of the Big 12 Conference. Um, and I think if they really uh, can can play as well as they did in this game against the rest of their opponents, uh, and especially, like I said, that Baylor matchup, um, then this should be a, a pretty comfortable end of the season where they're really just tuning up for Big 12 Conference play um, and getting that good seed in the tournament, hopefully on the complete opposite corner direction, nowhere near where UConn is. And that can be a, a late in the tournament uh, rematch. Give us, give us that in the final four or the elite eight. Like, I love that's it. where that needs to happen. Uh, yeah. You, you mentioned the Baylor bears there. They're Baylor is technically at the top of the conference right now, based on, you know, I think Texas is five and one in conference and Baylor is five and oh, so yeah, whatever it'll two weeks. That'll be different. So yeah, I'm excited to see them. I've always loved Texas women's basketball. It is just a, those, those ladies when they weren't good, when they are good, they just play so hard. And it's just, I, I, there's something about women's college basketball that, that I just absolutely love. And so I'm glad that the ladies are finally carrying the torch for Texas basketball because 
they they've deserved it for for such a long time. You know, it wouldn't be a Longhorn Republic without us talking a little bit of football. So the football early enrollees, spring semester starts uh, now with the snow closure on Wednesday. The spring semester will start. So the football early enrollees are officially on campus. So nine guys of what would be the 2018 recruiting class, but because they're spring enrollees, they're actually 2017 guys. Eh, save some scholarship spots. So nine guys are on campus. Uh, BJ Foster, Caden Stearns, Anthony Cook, Brendan Eagles, who has the name of a school. Um, <laughs> Iodele, I, I always say his last name. Iodele Adeoye, I'm going to say it wrong. It's fine. Make fun of me. Cam Rising, Casey Thompson, uh, Mike Mike Grady, who's a the JUCO O lineman that they picked up. It's a huge pick. Uh, and then the punter part two is also on campus. So those nine guys are there for spring classes and spring ball. Uh, I just have a brief suggestion, and we can start this here, and it's a good time. You know, it's early. Get this in. I think we should call him Ryan Bushevsky, um, whatever the uh, pronunciation of that is, but we'll call him, instead of that, we will call him the punter from down under two electric shrimp boogaloo. Um, so I'm, I'm all down for the punter down under round two. Get him in early. I, I'm never going to say his last name because there are like seven consonants in it. Uh, and I, I'm just not, not even going to attempt it. So the, uh, I mean, I, I'm fine with it. We can call him Paul Hogan for all I care, but <laughs> yeah. So, so Kyle of, of those names I just read and you've got the list on your side, uh, who do you see making a big impact in the spring moving to the fall? Cause that's why they come on campus. Cause they think they can push for a position, push for some time uh, and compete. So who do you think is going to have the biggest impact spinning it forward to the 2018 football season? Yeah, there's there's a couple guys on, on that list that I'm very excited about. Obviously, getting alignment at any time is awesome. I'm excited. We uh, we have a guy, and he has some experience, so he's a guy you can instantly plug in. But I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat here and say the positions that I think um, we we will see instant impact from are, are the quarterback and the defensive back. Um, just from a very a very simple logistical purpose, um, we have a, a spot with uh, two scholarship quarterbacks on campus right now because I believe Josh Covey just transferred to Stephen F. Austin. Um, he, he, he was a walk-on, but still was was running um, kind of de facto the third offense with with Hurd, you know, playing receiver. They obviously had the emergency package. Um, but it opens up another spot to, uh, to come in for those two guys and run, take some snaps, probably get a couple second-team snaps and third-team, um, you know, rotation-team snaps. So um, those guys right there can come in and start learning. And I think from a quarterback position, getting in early might be the most beneficial, just learning the playbook, uh, getting to know the offensive system, getting familiarity with the guys. That's going to be kind of the, the key position where that really makes a difference. It's, it's good all across the board. I'm a huge fan of this. Get these guys in. Um, and like I said, the other one is the defensive backs, just because we had some turnover and because we have so much talent there that it's inevitable that these guys are going to play. So I think this gives a big leg up right at the beginning for uh, BJ Foster, Stearns, uh, and Cook to all get in there. And again, I, I've, I've said many times I'm a Caden Stearns homer. I'm rooting for this kid so hard. Uh, I'm going to be reading every note I can find, uh, trying to get to maybe a couple practices this year if I can if I can swing it. Um, but just try to maybe Coach Zaycheck can give us some insight. 
Uh, but just see what we can do because I want to hear everything that's going on with that guy, how he's how developing. Um, and I really think those defensive backs could all come in, all three of those guys, and see um, some really early, maybe even day one uh, contribution. Grandy, obviously, just because Texas is so thin at, at offensive line, like he's going to have to come in and he's he's going to be in the top 10, like just by, by virtue of the fact that there aren't 10 guys on campus. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, Foster, Stearns, and Cook, which sounds like a law office, but just <laughs> – we're here to protect you. So I think those three guys, I think at least two of them see significant playing time next year. I think uh, if I'm putting money on it, I'm probably saying Foster and Stearns, but I could also see it being, you know, Foster and Cook because Cook is more of a true corner than yep. the other two guys. Yep. So, um, but, you know, Stearns has shown his ability to be a ball hawk and that's kind of one of the things that this defense lives off of. That's one of the things Todd Orlando's defense lives off of. His offensive line, linebackers create disruption, cause bad passes, ball hawk goes up and get it. We saw it game in, game out this year. So I'm definitely interested to see that. And, you know, with the inconsistencies at receiver this year, I'm excited to see what Eagles can bring to the table. Uh, and, you know, maybe it was a it was coaching that caused the inconsistencies. Maybe it was people not putting in effort. I'm not sure. But I want to see Eagles get in the mix. And again, you don't bring in a guy with the talent of Brendan Eagles early for him not to compete for a spot. And, you know, the advantage of these guys is if they get a red shirt, it's not just an extra semester. It's an extra year and a half. It's an extra two springs that they get. So the development, the you know, they, they're finally going to get in a nutrition program because they're not just going to be able to get, you know, a honey bun and a, and a orange <laughs> soda from the vending machine speaking from experience in high school. <laughs> you know, you're going to get on an actual nutrition program and you're actually going to have a strength and conditioning program written by somebody uh, who's read a strength and conditioning book this century. <laughs> so it'll be – and again, that's no offense to any high school coach out there because you guys do a great job and you guys do so much. But it's not your 100% job to do that. Right. And so there's now a guy on the coaching staff that gets paid to stay up with the latest and greatest. And you know what? The latest and greatest facilities, millions and millions of dollars. So I'm excited to see all of these guys. And a quick thing on another thing, we talked last week about what the 10th uh, coaching spot was going to be. Now that the NCAA has released that. And rumors early on were that Texas was going to bring in former Texas A&M offensive coordinator Noel Mazzone as an offensive quality control uh, assistant, which would have him kind of breaking down game tape and working on game plan, things like that. Uh, he was He's known as kind of a, a tape monster. Like that's one of the things that he is known for. He's a guy that's going to get in the lab and cook stuff up yeah. and find inconsistencies and find consistencies with teams. Uh, and then something happened out in the desert. <laughs> Rich Rod, what are you doing, family? He got fired, and then they hired in one of our personal favorite, probably one of the only Aggies you and I have ever really appreciated, maybe outside of Vaughn Miller. Uh, but Kevin Sumlin, who, yep. was, who was terminated as the Texas A&M head coach, was hired on at Arizona, which, by the way, him and Khalil Tate is scary. That could be something. That could be something in the desert. And, and yeah, like you said, we're, we've always been big fans of Coach Sumlin. Um, you know, whether he runs a gadget program or not is, is still to be determined. But uh, – but he seems uh, he seems like at least on the football field he's a good coach and he knows he knows what he's doing and he's got the players you know heading in the right direction uh, at A and M he never got to the the precipice without Johnny and that's tough but uh, you're right to have a a crazy quarterback I think he at least has a Trevor Knight on his hands there which you know he did some pretty good things with him so uh, I think it'll be interesting I'll keep an eye out there to see how he does uh, in that Arizona 
Arizona kind of desert. But uh, yeah, Mazone was kind of always uh, a strong rumor, but nothing confirmed. So it's not as if Texas is losing a guy. Um, but it, you know, the the internet seemed to think it was pretty much done. So uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, we do have um, basically recruiting in that tenth spot right now, um, and uh, in. Recruiting is is good. That's a that's a need for us. We never stop recruiting in the modern college football landscape. So stay with it. You know, until we have the guy that we know for sure, then just uh, keep on hitting the trail, getting the getting the studs in. Uh, and I'm in. Well, it gives you an indication. You know, they did hire Carrington uh, as an as an interim interim guy. Uh, for recruiting season, I bet that interim tag goes away and he goes back to director of player personnel right after national signing day. But Carrington yep. is, is the, there's the recruiting guy. There's a picture of him on Twitter with the recruit. A recruit said Carrington is the realist and they're both showing off their grill. So like if, you know what? If we need to, if we need to keep him in that 10 spot and he's going to bring in top talent, let's do it. But it gives me an indication, you know, if Mazone was the guy, that's the direction they're going is uh, somebody to help game plan with the offense, which I think is smart because you know what? That was, that was the big issue. That was the big issue this year was the offense. Like what is going on? Is it, is it the game plan? Cause really when you look at the Texas offense, when it moved the best this year, it was when they were scripted, when they were on their yeah. game script, they moved the best. And so if you have a really good game script and you can get, you know, 10, 14 points out of your game script, you're doing well. I think that's pretty good. So I'm interested to to see who actually ends up in that spot. Yeah, definitely, and especially with an Orlando defense, if you can get up, it's hard for uh, for teams, even in a, in a gunslinging Big Twelve, to get back on that defense as it was this year. And I'm hoping as it will be going forward, as long as we have him and and uh, have have that mentality. So Kyle, it's that time of the week again where we honor our favorite tradition on the 40 Acres, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum a little bit. So what are you banging the drum on this week? Um, I'm banging the uh, Fuddruckers drum, Fuddruckers World's Greatest Hamburger, unofficial sponsor of the podcast, drum, um, on something that I thought was a really, really cool story that came out uh, earlier this week, a couple of days ago. Um, Julia Hickman and Cecil Reynolds, who are two longtime um, kind of Longhorns for Life alums, donors, uh, active participants in the community. I think at one point they've both been professors at UT. Just part of the community, you'll see them. At, they've been season ticket holders for women's basketball for years and years. Um, they're a part of the family, and they they did something very, very cool. Um, I love being able to report kind of in back-to-back weeks on on just awesome donations uh, from alums to the school. But uh, but after Kevin Durant's $3 million, uh, the uh, Hickman and, and Reynolds went ahead and, and upped it with the single biggest – Make sure I say this right. Uh, single time future uh, donation, which uh, will be twenty million dollars to Texas Athletics specifically, and that will establish the Cecil Reynolds and Julia Hickman Center for Student Athlete Brain and Behavioral Health, which is so cool. This is literally like the cross section of all the things um, that I'm interested in. Um, I love that UT is going to be at the forefront of this. It's just another area where you know what starts here changes the world, and we're pushing innovation, and they're they're literally you know preparing athletes and, and equipping them to. Not not just be successful in their uh, potential future career that relates to their, you know, sport of choice, but also equips them to go out um, into the world in uh, in kind of whatever thing they go pro in that isn't their sport uh, and does a ton more than that. It's going to be a leader in research um, and in brain health. I'm sure you'll get some of the uh, some of the NFL studies coming through there. I'm sure those will align at some point. So just a really 
really awesome thing. Um, and this, I don't want to give credit to any one particular person. This may have been a parent initiative, but I love to see this. This is what I expected with Chris Del Conte when he comes in is to get people excited, to put them in their passions in the right place um, and to truly just uh, to bring the best back to Texas. So I, I'm very excited about this. It's a, it's a good story for me. Word on the street is that Del Conte is pushing for a couple of uh, double digit million donations, which Let's do it. Let's get that big money in there and uh, support this program and continue to be the flagship. Uh, so I'm banging the drum this week on uh, the Andrew Jones and Family Support Fund. You know, I said off the top, we talked about the situation with Andrew Jones, uh, and and I'm a I'm a man of faith, and so I believe that thoughts and prayers are are very powerful. But I also think that medical treatments are very, very expensive. And so there is a way for you to financially support Andrew Jones and his family. You can go to hornraiser.utexas.edu slash project slash 9014. I'll put the link in the show notes. If you couldn't write that down or don't want to write that down, I'll put it in the show notes. But that is a way where you can financially support his family. Texas is obviously running this through compliance to make sure that it's not uh, going to cause any issues for Andrew or his family or the university. Uh, But it is a way that you can financially support him. Over 1,200 people have already donated uh, to the total of $94,524. So it's awesome to see that happen. So yes, our thoughts and prayers are with Andrew Jones and his family, but let's also uh, help support them financially because any any medical treatment, much less a very invasive treatment like leukemia treatment is going to be expensive. And if you are looking for ways to help people with leukemia in, in a more tangible way, you can check out bethematch.com. They are a four-star rated nonprofit, so they've been reviewed. Uh, and their whole deal is helping match donors with recipients who need uh, treatment for leukemia. So you can check them out as well. Those are two very uh, physical and tangible ways that you can help uh, people like Andrew Jones or specifically Andrew Jones and his family. So thank you so much for listening into the show this week. We've got another five-star review, so we've got to read it out. Taylor Big Fan is the name. Much appreciate the five-star review. Hope we were funny this week. That's one of the things he shouted out uh, in our comments. So I appreciate that, Taylor. And again, if you leave us a five-star review, I will read out your iTunes account name, I guess, on the podcast. Uh, you can also interact with us on Gmail. I realized earlier that the Gmail account was not on my phone. So it's like, oh my gosh, what if people have been emailing us no one has emailed us so it's okay <laughs> but you can email us at longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com and you can tweet at us at longhornpod on the twitter machine kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet you can find me at kyle carpenter on twitter you can also tweet at me at texas pregamer which is the uh, the barking carnival uh weekly article i do over there but uh, yeah find me on twitter tweet at me let me know give me a five-star review there and maybe we'll we'll read it uh, read it on air as well. So uh, thanks for that, guys. Yep, you can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. And if you uh, want, if you're into nerd news and stuff like that, I do another podcast called Two Woke Nerds with another good friend of, of ours, Raymond Summerlin, who you may, if you're a big fantasy football fan, you may recognize that name as well. Shout outs to Roto World. Uh, so you can catch us on that. That's our Wednesday morning production. Uh, so we will catch you there. Thank you guys so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, Welcome. Welcome.